Good morning. Today we're going to be taking on one of the most culturally divisive issues of our day. Uh, we're going to be talking about how grace and truth can get applied in an open world. Uh, what does that look like? How do, how do we experience that? Uh, not a day goes by where this kind of subject uh, really is in the um, headlines. Uh, we see legislation coming out all the time, and how, as a Christ follower, do we interact with that? How do we, how do we respond to that? And, uh, you know, the whole idea of same-sex attraction and all that goes along with that, what, what does Jesus really say about that? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Before we get started, uh, three things that I want you to understand. First of all, uh, I'm relying on some really good communicators with a number of the things that I'm saying today. And uh, some of you may be familiar with some of these things. It just seemed like a timely uh, moment to talk about it. Uh, those of you who are new uh, may not realize this, but I rarely use notes or stick to my notes. But today, I, it will at times look like I'm reading uh, because I, I've really wanted to cho choose my words um, very specifically. And so uh, that may seem the case today, but that's, that's not the norm. Uh, second of all, you know, we have talked about this being a PG message, parental guidance uh, recommended. And as I say often, anytime we talk about a parental guidance recommended message, I really think that's a gift to you as parents, because that opens the door for you to talk about that at home. So what I, I would encourage you, if your kids are at the appropriate age, uh, you, you let it be a free communication zone and you can actually talk about that with your children. I, I think that's really, really important. And why let others, uh, in a sense, uh, define the conversation and, and all that goes along with that. So th that's important. And, and thirdly, I, I do want to say to uh, those of you who might consider yourself gay or those of you who um, have wrestled with this or might have a family member um, and or a friend, uh, you know, the most frightening part of speaking today is that I, I don't want to be misunderstood. Uh, I, I am very uh, weary of that and leery of that. And, and so as I, as I communicate, I, I may say some things in, in a way that uh, maybe aren't as gentle as, as I want them to come across or as kind, but, but that, that is definitely my intent. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. So, so please, 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 uh, understand that. And, you know, I, I don't want to be uh, misunderstood, you know, in this whole realm of, of hate speech or any of those kinds of things. I'm really trying to share with you uh, our perspective as a leadership team, as a church, on, on, on an issue that is just so divisive and seems to be ripping our, our country apart. So uh, just, just, just understand that. And in an, another piece of this is, is I want you to realize that, uh, you know, if you're coming from that persuasion, if you're coming from that orientation, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit more about that. Some, that's a buzzword for some people. But if you're coming from that perspective, again, I, I want you to understand that uh, you matter to us. Uh, we care about you. Uh, we, we, we really value and are thankful that, that you're here and that you're here sitting here and, and open to hear what we believe uh, God would say, say about this. So, um, and again, I, I almost, I really want to apologize on the forefront that churches in history, even in recent history, have not handled this kind of conversation well. Uh, they've not handled it well at all. And uh, I apologize for that, for the body of Christ, because uh, th there's a way to, to communicate these things, and there's a way to communicate these things that may be, from our perspective, very truthful, but completely lack any grace. And the bottom line is all of us, no matter where we're at, wherever we are at in our, in our journey, in our life, uh, could definitely use a little more grace. And our world needs a little more grace without at the same time watering down or ignoring uh, what, what we consider to be the truth. So that's kind of just wanted to, to, to set 
the stage for, the, for this conversation. We're hoping that I'm communicating a Christ-like response with grace and truth that is biblical, loving, sensitive, and, uh, and caring. Now, some of you may uh, recall, we, we've talked about these things probably maybe about 18 months ago. And again, the climate in, in our country and, and all of those kinds of things in our communities, I think it's good to, to review this and, and to be aware of this. But you may recall of a conversation I had with a mom years ago, well, maybe not that many years ago, but uh, years ago, and, and her son was planning on going on a missions trip with us from the Dominican Republic. We were taking about 20 of us down there. And uh, she was, her son was going on the trip, and she wanted to, her daughter had gone now, she wanted to experience this with her son. And uh, this mom was, was a Christ follower, and yet at the same time, uh, she, was, she was a married lesbian. And so she comes into my office and is getting ready to share this, and we're getting ready to have this conversation. I had somebody else in the office or in my office with me, uh, and so we started started to talk about that. And you know, again, I, I was I was just very fearful of sharing my thoughts on this from a what I would say would be a Christ follower perspective, from a biblical perspective, and I, and I just was very nervous about being misunderstood. And she was a regular attender on Sunday. She and her uh, partner would come every Sunday, uh, basically. And, and the church was a little larger than our church, so that uh, you, you know it was you know two services and all of that. But she, but she was coming, and, and I had to really work hard at explaining to her how I accepted her as a person, uh, valued her as a person. Uh, but yet clearly believe that her practice of orientation was not affirmed uh, from, from a Christian perspective. And, uh, and that her son, you know, was welcome to come, her daughter, you know, all coming, but I, I really could not allow her to attend. And, and with tears and, and it, you know, it was, it was just... I'm sure you would have loved to have been in this conversation in this room. So with as tenderly as possibly, uh, we continued to talk about this. And, and I said to her, I said, you, you know, there's this, there's this tension where we accept you as a person. You're, you're valued by God. But, but me, are you coming on this trip if you're we're just doing some painting and some working and running some like vacation Bible school kinds of things? If you come on this trip and you're painting next to somebody, and all of a sudden, you know, they, you know this teenager says to you, so uh, what's your, so you're married? And, and she say yes, and, and then, she's, and then this, the guy or woman, girl says, uh, so what's your husband like? And she said, well, I'm not married to, to I, don't, I don't have a, I have, I'm married to another woman. And, and we would be in a place where uh, we would be accept, confirming or approving of a lifestyle that, that we, we, just, we just don't see in Scripture. And, um, and again, I'm not saying this meanly or anything like that. So I have this conversation with her, and uh, it might have been 45 minutes to an hour, and obviously it wasn't very easy. But at the, at the end of it, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, you've got to believe you know, if you, if you could show me another way, if I could move around this, if I could get away from the teachings of Christ on this and, and Paul and others, I, I, I would be delighted. I would be delighted to, to but, but I, just, I just don't see that I can. And, and I, I was a little concerned that she might pull her son from the trip and that wouldn't have been good for him. And, and actually, I was a little concerned that we lived in Concord, capital of New Hampshire. A lot of this stuff was going on. I was a little concerned that maybe next day in the Concord Monitor, church, you know, hates, you know, and all this stuff could be out there. Because that thing, those kinds of things happen. And, and it didn't happen. And, and she and her partner continued to come sporadically. And, uh, you, you know, that, that's kind of where it's at. But 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 those were that was a really hard 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 conversation and I'll share some other experiences with you as as we move through the message this morning. But it was just, it was just was just hard. It was just really awkward. And so so I again want to talk about why uh, I would say that to, to this young woman and I, and I would say that to anyone else. But I also also want to in a sense uh, again emphasize the value of every person. Uh, we believe the image of God is, is planted on everybody's heart to some degree. And, and, uh, and so, so how, do we, how do we navigate that? How do we navigate the, the messiness of, of 
again, acceptance and not approval. And, uh, and, this, and this really doesn't just uh, rise and fall in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, homosexuality. It, it, it rises and falls in heterosexuality. It rises and falls on all kinds of things. We're always going to come into moments, not from a judgmental perspective, but we're going to come into moments where you and I have to accept a person without approving of a behavior. And uh, that can happen on small scales or large scales. And so, and, and, and so it's, it's a hard thing. But as Christ followers, Christ was a master at, uh, at being able to do that. Uh, a number of years ago, we as a church, it was probably four plus years ago, uh, wanted to put some of these thoughts, our perspective on, on paper. And again, very... Um, unsure about how to do this because again we don't want to we want to send a clear message we want to have grace we want to have truth so uh, th- this is what we uh, came up with uh, we grabbed it from a few places and then and then made it made it ours this isn't in your notes um, but you can pick up a, a copy of this from the office if you if you so desire we believe that God wonderfully and unchangeably creates each person at conception as male or female and that the two distinct complementary genders together reflect the image of and nature of God. Therefore, we recognize that God created marriage to be exclusively the union of one man and one woman, and that the intimate sexual activity is to be, occur exclusively within that union. Now, we follow that statement up at the bottom. This statement does not give Seneca Community Church an excuse to be mean, hateful, uncompassionate, If you struggle with same-sex attraction, you need to know that you matter to God and you matter to this church. The real issue is not homosexuality. The real issue is sexual purity. God created sex for our pleasure and for our good, but he also gives us boundaries for sexual purity. Sex is to be enjoyed between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage. If you're single, sexual purity is not having sex. If you're married, sexual purity is having sex with your spouse and no one else. We all struggle with sinful desires, but faith is trusting God's facts over our feelings. Jesus himself was tempted in every way, and I mean every way, and overcame. In Jesus, we find the grace and mercy we need to help us in our time of need. So now, how did we come up with this statement? We would say, uh, we would start with, with the Bible, and um, I'd like you to, you can turn there, you're going to find that, uh, we're going to start by going to Genesis 2, 18, and uh, we're going to read some passages, they'll also be up on the screen, and we want to kind of lay the plan, lay the foundation, what we're thinking about, and how uh, we've come to these ideas, these concepts, so... Uh, Genesis 2, beginning of verse 18, and we'll jump to 22. You'll, you'll see that as we follow along. The Lord God said, it was not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's interesting. Sometimes when you see that word helper, you think, oh, you mean like a servant. No, 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 no. That same word helper is actually applied to God in other passages. So God is our helper. So, so don't miss can screw that. When God says, I'll make a helper, God is a helper to us. The Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So as when we start this discussion, we start all the way back in Genesis thought that Moses put the first five books of the Bible into, uh, wrote these, and, uh, and they were preserved. And the first thing we need to realize is that God created male and female. Uh, you know, it, it's not, it was his design. He created sexual identity. He made human beings male and female. Uh, that was what he did. That's how he set things in motion. After Adam, a man was created, a helpmate was made, and that was suitable and appropriate and correct for him. For Adam, that person was a woman. 
So we, we start with that place. Now, I know, and, and I, I can't get into all of this, but I know sometimes when a child is, is born, there are these, these very rare moments where some of this gender stuff is, is in question a little bit, uh, and, and that, that, that's for another discussion. So if you can put a few exceptions aside and just you know the majority in what goes on, uh, God created male and female. It was in his perfect design, his preferred will, all that, that goes along with that. Also, God created uh, sexual intimacy. Uh, this means that, uh, you know, femininity and masculinity are at the heart of God. Uh, you know, he, he, he made that. He, he made that. He made the identity. He made the intimacy. And sexual intimacy is to take place between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Um, both genders reflect the image of God and together reflect and honor God as they join in union with one another. God created men different. God created women different. And God created marriage so that their differences would complement one each other in every conceivable way, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. When I'm doing premarital counseling, I like to talk about how a couple is better together than apart. And, uh, and, you know, that, that, that's just a, a wonderful thing. It, it's more, marriage is more than just a contract. It's more than tax returns and health insurance and, and all that, that goes along with that. That's why the Bible says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. Now, just so I can be guilty of picking on everybody... And uh, as you see this, don't, you know, you can email at DaveSJudgmentalGuy.com. <laughs> it's not a real email address, but, uh, you know, I, I will say this, and this isn't to stop you from emailing me, but, but, but if you want to have a, a legitimate conversation about this uh, at the right time in the right way, you know, I, I would be free to do that. I don't want to have an argument, but I'm very open to discussing, uh, discussing this. So, but uh, I, I just want to, I'm going to read you a quote. A friend of mine reminded me of this this past week, or maybe it was last week, that talks about sexual intimacy just in general. So this applies to both, uh, you, you know, heterosexual and homosexual uh, realities. And it's kind of, kind of interesting to me. It comes from Andy Stanley's book, Irresistible. I don't buy into every little thing in that book, but, but this, this was good stuff. So let me read this to you. It's going to actually be posted on our Facebook page uh, later on this morning. So if you want to go through and reread it, it will be there for you. Uh, and this is what he says. Um, there we go. Do anything that might diminish some doing anything that might diminish someone else's potential for intimacy with a future spouse is not good for them or their future spouse. This is taking the whole idea that the newer testament is all about loving God and loving others. And you can boil everything down into the newer testament to how to love God and to love others. All the accounts, all the writings there are just an application of those two principles. So Andy Stanley is saying, here is the application of loving others as yourself. So he starts with this. Intimacy is fueled by exclusivity, not experience. Sex before marriage robs the other person of their potential for exclusivity it robs your future partner of the comfort that comes in knowing you are exclusively theirs sexually. Not only are you undermining the future of the person you have sex with along with their future spouse, you're undermining the joy and security of your own future spouse. Nobody wins. It's lose, lose, lose. It's not best for anybody. It's sin. It's sin because it harms people made in the image of God for whom Christ died. Besides, what do people have to show for their sexual misadventures? Nothing. What do they gain? Nothing. What have they taken from the other person? Perhaps a great deal. What have they lost personally? The opportunity to honor a future spouse with a history of self-control for their sake. It's a terrible trade. Everybody involved loses. Under the new covenant the new agreement, you are responsible for your behavior and how your behavior impacts the you besides you. Consensual or not, I always ask students, if you sleep with a variety of folks before now and graduation and then you meet 
then you meet the, you think that might be the one person, you'll be tempted to lie about your sexual past. The answer is always yes, then they say. Think about it. If your sexual behavior with people you hope you'll never see again sets you up to lie to the person you hope to see every day, what does that imply about sex before marriage? Anything that makes us a liar for life is a sin because lying dishonors the people to whom we lie. Beginning a relationship with a lie isn't good for either party. Two divine image bearers are hurt in the process. The behavioral standard for new coveters or New Testament Christians or however you want to say it is straightforward. If it's not good for them, it's sin. We don't need a chapter or verse. We have something better, namely Jesus. Jesus' new, all-encompassing, inescapably simple command. We are to do unto others as our Heavenly Father through Christ has done for us. He did what was best for us when he sent his son for us. We, in turn, are to do what is best for others, even when less than what is best is embraced and accepted by others. Consensual is still sinful. Think about that. I challenge you again to go back and take a look at that. So why you want to be sexually pure is for the people that it affects. And the, and the foundation that it starts. Now, now some of us have to start, oh, in a sense, brand new. There's grace. There's grace. Uh, there can be a rediscovery of that in a sense. But, when, but it still takes energy. It still takes work to work through all that. So especially those of you who are, are younger and who haven't, in a sense, gone in those directions yet, you know, I would encourage you and challenge you not to. Why even have to, to deal with that? It's, it's so wonderful to be exclusively to the person you're going to be with, in theory, hopefully, for the, the rest of your life. And so you can think about that. So again, you know, God created sexual intimacy. And, uh, you know, as we, as we start to think about that and as we start to think about scriptures and the New Testament and Romans, the things Paul says, uh, we really realize that there is, no, there is no scripture that speaks positively of same-sex relationships. There's just not one. Actually, if you really look through the scriptures, you're going to see that it speaks against. And some might say, well, it was cultural back then. But, but I have to say, Jesus, Paul, never let the culture... Stop them from making statements. If, 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 if they had thought this was acceptable, if they thought that was a part of God's preferred will, they, they would have spoke to that. They wouldn't have hidden it. They wouldn't have, you know, kind of made veil. They, they would have been pretty clear because there's lots of other things that rocked the world that they said that they, in a sense, it didn't hold back. They, they gave grace and truth. Now, um, here's a statement for you. You know, a homosexual orientation is no different than any other orientation someone can have toward a particular lifestyle that is outside of God's preferred will. And so, you know, it's it's another one of those things. We'll talk about that a little bit more, so just just hold on there. But... um, you know, when, when, I, when I take this idea that God made me that way, so it's okay, or I say, in this one area, God made me, so it's okay, maybe we need to stop and pull back and say, maybe it's, it's the brokenness of the world that we live in. And maybe it's not that God made us that way. We've been born into a broken world that needs to be redeemed. And every part of our world needs to be redeemed. So just so I'm uh, predisposed to a certain kind of way, it shouldn't, in a sense, uh, you, you know, let me, let me off the hook. You know, it's really dangerous to say, God made me this way, so it's okay for me to pursue this. So let's just say this, and, you know, I just will get down to the bottom line, in a sense, but let's just say, you, you know, I, I'm, as a straight man... I have desires for, for, for sexual fulfillment outside of my marriage. So if I said, wow, God made me that way, 
No one would say, well, well, that would be horrible to treat Cindy that way. No, 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 one, would, no, one, would, no one would go, yeah, that's okay. And I, I, I couldn't get by to say I, I was made that way. And you're going to say, well, it's a little different because you can have your, your sexual uh, you know, intimacy met in your marriage relationship, and you're saying that I, as a gay person, can't, can't have that. And, and yes, that, that may be true, but if having my desires fulfilled, and that one in particular, uh, is uncontrollable, then, then, then what, what does that say? Does it say there's, there's one area that, 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 that God can't intercede in? There's one, there's one area that, that God can't touch, and so every other area except this one area is, is off limits. It's, it's impossible for his grace to work in there. And yeah, maybe it's a struggle. Uh, but, but, you know, I just, it's, it's an area of temptation that's just, just, just too strong. And then, you know, I have to say, you know, again, apologies as a, as a, as a community of believers, Christ followers, we, we have done a horrific job at helping someone who struggles in that area. Uh, they may say, well, it's not really about the sex that desire, I just want companionship. I want someone to do life with. And that's really the driving force in my life. And, and as churches, we haven't been the option. We haven't come alongside and say, hey, we know you lean this way, but we accept you, we love you, and, and we will help you practice celibacy in this area, and we will be your family. We, we've not done a good job with that. And, uh, you know, uh, some, sometimes uh, you know, there, there are other issues out there that we just, that we, uh, you know, we just have done a terrible job coming alongside somebody and, uh, and saying, yeah, I, I know you have this leaning, uh, you know, in our society, and, and you, you may know the statistics, when it comes to pornography, off the charts, off the charts. Well, we we want to have a community where someone can, can process through that and live on the other side of that, even though that, that temptation, that desire may still be there. Paul himself says this. He says, but remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful he will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show a way out so that you will not give into it. And again, my apologies as a, as a quote-unquote church leader. Uh, church leaders, churches have not done a great job at coming alongside. Our, our faith is not to be lived in isolation. Our faith we're not spiritual orphans. We do this in community. That's one reason we really continue to harp on community groups because we want to be in a relationship with other people that go beyond having a cup of coffee where actually you can get to know somebody inside the group, outside the group, and actually say, I am struggling with this. Can you help me with it? And yeah, sometimes it's a little awkward. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation. But as Christ followers... Maybe we're not great at a bunch of other things, but when it comes to loving other people as ourselves, we're supposed to be awesome. We're supposed to be off the charts. Off the charts. So, again, it, it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing to talk about, but it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's out there, and, and we need to talk about it. We want to come alongside and help. And again, may not do that perfectly, all those kinds of things, but that's what we want to be. We want to be that kind of church. We're not singling out one thing or the other. Because honestly, if we were really honest, most of us have been marred some way sexually in our experience. There's something in there that wasn't super healthy. It's just, it's reality. So do we pretend it doesn't exist? Do we, pretend, do we write people off? Absolutely not. And then again, that comes back to this theme, this idea of acceptance, not approval. Acceptance, not approval. And if you have children, 
and you're trying to you know, do this right, with any subject, there's this, there's this, this tension where you accept your child, but then when there's a behavior that's not a behavior that should be approved, yet you have to, you have to walk that fine line. And it's messy. It's messy. I would like to tie everything up into a neat bowl, bow, and I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, black and white and you know, right and wrong and no mess and clean, but, but that's not life. You know, that just closes us in. We get into these, you hear me talk about, we get into these holy huddles where everyone pretends that they're okay. And that's not means that we should be living messy lives because we're just out of control. Again, back to that passage that Paul talks about. With Christ in community, we can work through temptation. Uh, Not always, let's say, overcome in a sense that it never blows back into our lives. But we, we can, if we can't, so, you know, the power of the resurrection, we just sang about that. Jesus died, but what makes it amazing is he rose again. If he had just died, let's go home. Let's all go skiing, right? You know, I, you know let's go do something else. But the resurrection and the passages over and over say the power of the resurrection is ours. And to, to live day by day. And Jesus just master at this. The word, this is referring to Jesus. The word, Jesus became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Amazing that he would even do that. We have seen his glory, his importance, his significance. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Full of it. Not 50-50, but completely full of this, and, and, he, and he shows us how to navigate. He shows us how to navigate. Uh, we're not going to go through all these passages, but there's the four passages there in your notes, and each one shows a situation where he's graceful, he's truthful, but out of that flows unbelievable amounts of grace. It's unbelievable. Uh, the woman at the well, some of us are familiar with that. Uh, it, is, it is thought that the reason she was there at midday in the heat is it was a way for her to, to look for uh, other men. It was a way to say, hey, I'm here. And what does Jesus do? Jesus demonstrates grace by talking with her. Everybody else, too prim and proper, wouldn't have said a word to her talks to her, is gracious to her, but also says, hey, the truth is you've been messing around. Knock it off. And she doesn't run off mad at him. She actually brings more people to hear him. See, somehow that grace and truth, and that's one of the things that uh, we just don't do a good job as a church. We are not learning how to be graceful and truthful Usually when we're truthful, people run off and never come back. Sometimes that still happens when you're graceful. But, but that, that balance. Um, the woman caught in adultery. Some of us know that story. Jesus says, I don't condemn you, but sin no more. Grace and truth. If you look at Zacchaeus, we could look at Peter. Peter denies Christ three times. Jesus cooks breakfast for him. Grace. Now own my faith or own your faith in me. See, every situation, and and it gets, yeah, it gets exhausting. It gets tiring living in the mess. But Christ calls us to live in that. Grace and truth. And if you're feeling a little pressure right now because you struggle with same-sex attraction and gay and you feel like I'm picking on just you, it is all of us. Consequences are different, yes. Ripple effects are different, yes. But none of us come into this room self-made and all K. None of us. That's why we're here, because we're, we want more of Jesus in our lives. We want more of that grace, and we want to... Love God, enjoy that grace, and then spread it around and let others be able to enjoy it. I'm going to fly through these, but uh, 
Christians can be such jerks. <laughs> Graceless comments. You may have heard some of these. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. How condescending. How arrogant. And you can have a different form of these kinds of things. As a Christ follower, if you love others as yourself, that, that doesn't cause someone to go, hey, maybe Jesus loves me, and maybe I ought to see how he could help me with this. That just drives a person right out. You're writing them off. Unacceptable for a Christ follower to write anybody off. doesn't mean you're, you become their punching bag. It doesn't mean you enable them, but you can't write anyone off. You can't say, that soul, that person has no value. Christ died for all of us. Uh, next one is homosexuality is a choice. I mentioned earlier about your orientation. People I've talked with, no one says it was a choice. They're giving into who they were. This is how they were made. So for you to say, oh, it's just a choice. Give me one of your out of God's preferred will issues. Give me your, I, I, look at pornography. Give me your, I'm dishonest. Give me your whatever. And I just say, it's just a choice. And yet it keeps coming back into your life. There are things, there are temptations that are just going to always be in the peripheral. And uh, so, for, so for you to say that to someone who, who if they could be, if they could, most would say, if I could have a pill and not have this issue and be like everybody else, I would take it. It doesn't feel like a choice to them. So why even go down that, that road? Um, we all want to be like everyone else. Just, just look at what, what you have and how you operate. You're, you're, you're copying other people. You want to fit in. So, so they have the, the, the same thing. So, so that's a graceless comment. Homosexuality leads to other sins. In the, in the 70s, uh, this, was, this was an accepted accepted view. This was an accepted thought that uh, if someone was gay, that they were automatically going to abuse kids. Give me a break. Give me a break. I, I, I don't think that's true, and it, it's been proven not to be true. It's been proven not to be true. So again, some of these things are just graceless, ignorant comments. You know, if you repent... God will take away your homosexual desires. If you will repent, give me your thing, God will take the desire away. Whoa, 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 no, 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 that's not true. You have things that just hang out there. They're there. And you've repented, you've cried about it, you've, you know, you've beat your chest, woe is me, change me, Lord, and the next day, you feel like doing it again. So don't throw that on somebody else. Please don't throw that on somebody else. Another one, love the sinner, hate the sin. Just say love people. <laughs> Come on. I just, why does hate even have to be in that concept? I mean, I, I mean, obviously God doesn't like those things. <laughs> you know, love the sinner because you and me are one. <laughs> So it's, it's kind of a double standard there. How about some graceful comments? I think Jesus says these comments. We could walk through and take a look at them. Uh, Jesus says, I love you. I love you. Not in a condescending way, not in a, in a patronizing way. He really loves us. He loves you. And Jesus says, I love you. And I think a graceful comment to someone else who's in a different place than you, whether you think they've chosen to be it, you don't write them off and you say, I love you. Again, doesn't mean enabling. You know, it's messy figuring that out. I don't always get it right. You don't always get it right. But at least I wade into it and try with God working in my life to get it as right as I can. It's amazing. God will use crooked sticks to make straight lines. Think on that for a little while. I, I understand rejection. Totally gets that. Totally gets that. I have a, a, a 
gay pastor friend. I've mentioned him before. He's been with his partner probably 24, 25 years. They adopted a little girl who's probably not a little girl anymore, and I would get together with him every once in a while. He was a couple churches down, and uh, I would say we were friendly to each other. And uh, his, when we would have these discussions, and I, I would be honest, I had to get through this. I'm not being mean with you. I don't hate you. I, I want you to have a good life. You know, you need health care. You need a home. I mean, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so then we could eventually get to a place where he goes, Dave, I get it. You don't hate me. You just may face things that in my world come across that, but that's not your intent. And I said, call me on it when I'm doing that, because that's not my intent. And, uh, and, he, and I said, so tell me, just, just take the New Testament and show me where this is embraced, celebrated. And, and, and you say, well, there really is anything like that, but, but Jesus was always for the outcast, and we're the lepers of today. And I'd say, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I, I just don't, don't see it. And so, so again, uh, Jesus would say, I understand rejection. And for you to say to somebody, I understand rejection, because if we're real, we've all been rejected somewhere along the line. If you haven't, uh, it will happen, but uh, we've all experienced rejection. Um, I was tempted. Jesus was tempted in every way. So does that mean that Jesus, you know, heaven forbid, could have, could have had some same-sex temptations, if it's every way, it's every way. Because if it wasn't that way, then I have to say, well, that temptation means every temptation but this area, so then that's okay. That's, that's, God, doesn't, God doesn't have anything to say about that. I, I can't say that. He was tempted in every way. I don't like saying it. I feel like I'm, that's going to get me emails. But, uh, you, you know, I, I just, it, it ha- every way. And I will be here for you. Jesus says that over and over and over again. Are you there? Are you there for the person that is accepted, but their behavior isn't right? In, in every area, are we there? You know, I've shared over the last few weeks or last month, you know, with some messy things going on in my family back in, in New England. And uh, from my perspective, one person's making choices that's making their life messier and messier and messier. And, and it's part of me that just wants to say, I don't want to talk to you until you get it straight. I mean, it's so, bas- it's so basic to me, just do this and you know, whether you feel like it or not. And, you know, there's lots of things I don't feel like doing, but I got to do because of the right thing to do. And eventually, a lot of time, my feelings catch up with it, but she's got to do it, you know. But, but for me to say to, to that person, I am here for you, is hard. It's hard. But Jesus says, love others as yourself. And I certainly would hope that if I went off the rails someone would say to me and mean it, I am here for you. I am here for you. I don't agree with it. It's, it's wrong. Can I be so bold? It's sinful, Dave. But I am here for you. These are the words of Jesus. This is the, not even a word, this is the example of Jesus. I love you. I understand rejection. I was tempted and I will be here for you. Now, we've talked about this a couple summers ago. I'm just going to really quickly. So, what what does that? How does that apply even to us as Christ followers? If we're there for a person and and they and they they have this orientation, alternative lifestyle, what happens when they invite you to their wedding? What do you do with that? And these are applications. These are not thou shall. These are. These are some thoughts that I have. First of all, uh, when it comes to participating in a gay wedding, as a Christ follower, I I, I don't think you can participate in the sense of uh, enabling it to happen. And uh, we've seen court cases where people will do only so much, but then they get to this place where they say, I can't participate in that. I can sell you flowers, but I'm not going to make arrangements. I, I... Traditionally, not even just in the last few years, 
Marriage has been considered holy matrimony. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a civil rights, I'm not going to serve you meals, you can't eat here. It's, it's so much more. It's an expression of faith. So, so for us, um, if you believe your participation is enabling it to happen, facilitating its act, then the answer would be no. You would be participating in something wrong. And, and again, that, that gets hard because in a lot of these situations, again, Couples just looking for companionship, someone to spend the rest of their life for, and, and, and those are all valid things. The expression of it in this era, it, it is not God's preferred will for a person. And again, if I, could, if I could get around it, I would, but I can't. I want to get around it, but, but I, just, I, just, I just can't. So, so participating, enabling it, helping it happen would be a no. And that's true with anything that's outside of God's preferred will. I've been in situations where people want me to help them in something completely unrelated to this, and, and I have to say no because it continues to allow them to go down a path that, that, I, that I believe is not God's preferred will for their lives. So I have to say no. And, and that's tough. That, that usually doesn't win any friends in that moment. What about just attending? You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was at those parties. Again, if something's different about, about a wedding. A wedding is, is, some churches believe it's one of, one of the ordinances of a church. We believe baptism, we believe baptism and communion are our two ordinances, two symbol things we, we continue to do. Uh, some churches would add in holy matrimony. Uh, we wouldn't say it's one of our ordinances, but, but again, there's something sacred about that. So, so what about attending a wedding? It's a little different than going to a party where there's all kinds of crazy things going on. But what do you do with that? How, how, do, you, how do you navigate that? Um, you know, I, I would say that if it, was, if it was someone at work, if it was a neighbor, and again, this is me just saying, uh, I, pro- I, I, I wouldn't go. I, I wouldn't be available. But, but if it was one of my daughters... I would have to have a long conversation with them. I would have to convey to them how I thought this was outside of God's preferred will. They, they would know that from growing up at our home, but I, would ha- I wouldn't be like a five-minute click hang, no, I'm not. I, I, I would want to communicate to them that even though I'm not for their behavior, I'm absolutely for them as a person, that, that I love them dearly. And, and I also would want to convey, uh, next thought here is that my love is not something that is doled out as a reward for good behavior. And I would have this conversation. I would say, I can't go to the reception afterwards because that's celebrating. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not celebrating this. But I love you in spite of anything you'll do. And so if you think me not being there says I don't love you, then I'll be there. I'll slip in at, before after it's kind of started, and I'll slip out, but you'll know I'm there. Your friends may know I'm there, but it's because I'm for you, not this behavior. And in a different situation, I, 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 I just don't know now. Hopefully, I won't have to be put in that. You, you may have already been put in that place because I just want to communicate my love is not something that is doled out as a reward for good behavior. Christ does that to me all the time. His love is not something that's doled out for my behavior. That's why we grace is something that Christ offers, not you earn. So these are, these are hard conversations, but they're real conversations. And we're going to experience this more and more and more. And I, I guess that gives us an opportunity as Christ followers to demonstrate love in unbelievable ways. Um, this, this will get me glares. I'm not the biggest Chick-fil-A, you know, fan. I heard some people talking about Chick-fil-A over here. I'm, I'm like, I think it's kind of overrated. But anyway, but so every time we go like down that way, they're like, my kids are like, Chick-fil-A, 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 you know, breakfast Chick-fil-A, yeah, oh, Chick-fil-A. But, 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 but I, I will say this, you know, Chick-fil-A is really aligned with uh, 
Christian faith. Uh, but it was amazing when that shooting took place in Orlando. Remember that, in that gay club. Who was out there giving food to the community as they waited in line to give blood? Chick-fil-A. It did not get covered that much in the news. Ideologically, not in line with that. But they love people. And they didn't make it an issue. They didn't make it a statement. They, they went all out to love on that community, even though they were not going to affirm that behavior. And, and that's our bottom line. I sent it to you in the pulse. Acceptance of a person can, can't be communicated as an affirmation of a behavior. And, and we've got to get better at this in lots of areas. We can't be writing people off. We need to love on people, but not affirm. You, you said not even, I didn't even write in here as an affirmation of a person. I said of a behavior. That there's a little different nuance to that. Let's pray. Grace Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you do give us clarity in a difficult situation, even though it's messy and even though it's uncomfortable. Lord, I would ask that uh, for those of us that may struggle directly with this, this concern, this issue, that they would know that they are loved by you first and foremost and loved by us, that they would understand the mix of grace and truth. Those of us who may not have this on our radar as much but have other areas Help us to be people that accept and love on people without affirming a behavior. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. And Lord, if there's any of us in this room that are feeling the heaviness because of a behavior, Lord, I ask that you would make it very clear to them that they are loved and cared for, affirmed and accepted. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.